Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Such a nice day out. If you came to church today, you saw Mike and I standing outside. If you know anything about me in summertime, we do not go together like this. Whatever this is, that's not me in summer. It's too hot. I'm a sweater, and I sweat like crazy, so when it's hot and humid, I'm out of there. But we got, I got up this morning, I took a dog out, and it was like 62, and it kind of felt like a little chilly, and I was like, finally, I'm counting it as fall. It's a little early for fall, I guess, around these parts, but it is so beautiful out. So uh, a little subtle blessing from the Lord in that regard, I'll take it. All the little things add up for me. So it's great to be back with you today. We're still uh, making our way through Romans. I hope everybody's found this to be exciting and challenging, uh, maybe drawing you back into the into the Word a bit, trying to figure out which way we're going to go, and some of this stuff might be like, gosh, I never thought of it that way, or we need to study, and uh, good problem to have if you ask me. So uh, as we move through this uh, move through this together, we'll be wrapping this up very soon. Uh, if, you're, if you're following along in your Bible, you'll notice we're kind of running out of Romans. <laughs> so in the next week or two, we are going to be out of Romans, and we're going to be moving right into 1 Corinthians. That's, uh, we're going to be working on, Mike and I will be working that out uh, if you're uh, new here, Mike and I share the uh, pastoral duties from the pulpit, so we alternate every couple weeks, uh, gives us each a break, and brings uh, a different perspective to the pulpit, kind of keeps us both in check, which is great. Um, in my opinion, it's great, at least. So uh, Mike will be back in the, uh, in the pulpit for next week, and then we'll be going from there. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn with, that's great. We're going to read the very end. Last week we read all of Romans 14 and half of 15. Today we're only going to be doing the last half of 15. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to follow along, that's great. Uh, and if not, uh, it'll be up on the screen. So let's re- read together. Wait a second. This, this, is, this, is the, this is the wrong scripture. That one's probably on me. Hey, Emma, could you change that real quick to that one there, Romans 15, 14 through 33? Can, she, can you do it? Hey, real quick plug here. My daughter Emma's in the booth. She takes care of all this stuff when I foul it up like I did today. That way it can at least be on the screen. Let's see. She's pretty good. Once again, though, the weather, beautiful. (laughs) I probably should have checked the slide first. (laughs) I mean, it is really nice out. If you guys haven't been out, maybe we just go inside real quick. No, don't go. I think uh, it's coming soon. Coming soon. She's got it. All right, that's my girl. Okay, you'll have to change the slides for a minute. It's being finicky, so just FYI. All right, so Romans 15, 14 to the end. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Alecrium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought to also be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, And that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. 
so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you see a kind of a change in tone here at the end of this chapter. It's been very uh, instructive in some regards, and, and now it feels a little bit more like perhaps a letter that you would write to a friend about what's going on and what you plan to do and uh, what you're looking forward to, maybe what you're kind of nervous about, perhaps, Lord. Um, maybe for such a small part of Scripture, it seems difficult to extract a great deal of information, Lord, but we know that every bit of your Scripture is just chock full of blessings and wisdom to us, Lord. And uh, I pray that today as we study this passage and we, that we dive deep into what Paul's writing here uh, at, the, at the, the request of the Holy Spirit, that these are God's words and that they are incredibly powerful, incredibly potent words, even uh, when Paul's not giving such direct instruction. We see what Paul has manifested in his belief and understanding and how that, how that moves into his actions, Lord. I pray that as we study this, we can see that same happening for us uh, as we draw closer and closer to you and, and be about your work. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, let me uh, give me a quick second here. Let's see if I can't make this thing cooperate so I don't have to have Emma drive the whole thing. But it's not looking good. It's been one of those days, let me tell you. It, the weather is beautiful. If you've not been outside, <laughs> let me just reiterate it is tremendous out there. Let's see if this. Uh oh, we're back. All right. God is good all the time. That's the truth, regardless of if this worked or not, just to reiterate. But I'm very pleased that it's working. It makes it a little bit easier for me. All right, so a quick recap. I always like to do this. As we move towards the end of this chapter, we've talked about loving your enemies, loving our friends and our family. And, and by that, Paul's covered pretty much everybody. So we understand now that we are called to do something very extraordinary, and that is to love everybody. Uh, it may not seem that extraordinary, but it was for them, right? The Jews had opposition. They were used to war. It was us and them. Those are the Gentiles. They enslave us. We don't care for them. We don't pray for them. We don't engage with them. Here comes Jesus fulfilling prophecy, and we'll see some of that. Uh, we actually studied that in our small group today. Paul does a really good job, uh, arguably better than anybody, in my opinion, of quoting a, a scripture who is, if he, uh, Jesus aside, of quoting scripture that is so poignant and perfect and in multitudes. When he's talking about, let's witness to the Gentiles, Paul's like, and here's a scripture about Gentiles, and again, and again, and again, and again. It's very, very serious. These are not just good ideas that Paul has. These are, the, this is the word of God being drawn into action. So Paul's covered everybody. If folks agree with Paul and you say, okay, okay, we love our enemies, we love our friends. Now what do we do? That's what we see here. This chapter ends with Paul's example of service. Paul's works don't save him. I want to make this really clear. What Paul's doing, and there's a reason it's at the end of all this talk, is that they're good, not because of Paul, but because of what Christ is doing in Paul. We see Paul's work, and it's a real good temptation to ignore all of Paul's teaching and try to mimic his work. Bad idea. You might see some fruit early on, or fool yourself into thinking that it's fruit, but in reality, you're not communicating any depth of understanding of who Christ is. You're just doing nice things for people, and there's not intrinsically anything wrong with that. But what a disservice it is if we're believers to not give them the full gospel and then have the Holy Spirit start to change their lives, which brings them a peace that transcends any comfort that we're going to get from this earth. So I think Paul understands that they are confused. It, this has been a very long letter. Now, there's always a debate about this. Are they multiple letters that they sent at once? And it's impossible to say. We were talking today about how the last passage kind of closed with a benediction, like, hey, may, may God be with you. Amen. And this one does the same. It's halfway through the chapter. It's quite possible that Paul regularly wrote and, uh, you know, kept think, like wrote a letter and then set it aside and wrote another and set it aside. We didn't have email those days. The mail itself was very difficult. They could have bundled them, sent several at once. Who's to say? All we know is that if you were reading this for yourself, if this was a letter that I had written to you, church, let's say, and by this time in chapter 15, <laughs> we've been through the ringer. We've talked about a lot of aspects of faith. And you're scratching your head and you've been taking notes. And you're like, goodness gracious. I mean, this is a lot. So... Paul, I think, knows this is long, and it may be sounding like a lecture. All these things could be taken very accusatory, right? Uh, has anybody ever like misread an email where someone says something in an email like, I would have given that to you if you'd been there today. I was going to give that to you if you were there today. 
But we read it as, I was going to give that to you if you were there today. And like, listen, I had something to do. Like, well, that's cool. Like, well, it didn't sound cool. Like, what do you mean it didn't sound cool? It was words. We read things so, and I think Paul knows this. You could read this, man, man, he is smashing us into the ground. We're not loving our neighbors. We're not loving ourselves. Paul softens this blow a bit here, and it's a wonderful way that he does it. I myself am satisfied about you, right? Now, he's not saying everything you're doing is great. Keep it up. Don't change a thing. He's saying I'm satisfied. I'm not saying all these things because you're failing at them, and, and, and you've got to correct them right away. But these are things that are easy to lose sight of. They're things that are easy to have pushed away for better, easier, more convenient, and comfortable things. And we have to deal with these. We need to understand the depth of our faith. We need to be ready to communicate with everybody on earth. That's what our Lord and Savior called us to do. You guys are doing a decent job, but there's always a but. So he's confessing. It's a reminder. It's not a reprimand per se, but we all know how that is, right? Anybody ever been reminded by somebody of something that you're, you know you're getting reminded because you've forgotten to do it a time or two? This happens a lot. I get things like, did you, did you, do the th- did you pick up Emma? This is an example. Did you pick up Emma? Yes. Okay, just checking. Yeah, I bet. Right? It's been two hours. I'm pretty sure who... This is just an example. Random example I'm making up. This has never happened. Right? But it's not a reprimand. It's not because I've ever forgotten Emma. I've not. But there's a nervousness that can... Paul wants to be real clear. So I just want to make sure you get Emma. I got Emma. This is bold writing. Right? Paul's saying could be taken the wrong way. And he uses a word like bold because he knows that. Right? What we see here is we kind of... Like I said, this is a different letter. God taught me in grace. Now I teach you in grace. This is the HSV. That's Hecox Standard Version. It's kind of my little summary. What Paul does here is saying, I had to learn all this stuff the same way you did. It was taught to me by the Holy Spirit moving in my heart. You'll learn it the same way. I'm putting it on paper, but the Holy Spirit's going to make it count. These words, without the Holy Spirit, are nice ideas. But with the Holy Spirit, they're going to make a difference. You guys need to be aware of this, just as I'm aware of this. There was grace as I began to fail and fall through this. There's grace for you in the same way. So why does he bother to teach? Why do I teach? Because we're the only way the Gentiles will learn the truth. That is it. It's the way God prescribed it. Now you're going to hear tales, and God can do whatever God wants to do. Don't get me wrong. But we are the way that the Gentiles will learn the truth. We proclaim the truth of the gospel. The Gentiles hear the truth of the gospel. The Gentiles come to Christ. That's what he's talking to the Jews about at that time. Still holds true for us. And we don't use Jews and Gentiles so much. But if we talk about the saved and the unsaved, or those in Christ and those who are not in Christ. Same drill. The Great Commission, the Great Commandment falls to us, the believers, those in Christ. And God has prescribed the manner in which they will hear the good news is by us proclaiming it. God could, could send lightning from heaven and, and enlighten the whole world to his presence and who his son was and what he did. God has chosen not to do that. We are the way that they are going to learn. And our way is to point to the way. The actual capital W way. Oh no, you're not going to get saved by my good works or my good deeds or mimicking me in any way. And that's exactly what Paul's getting to here, right? This isn't about mimicking Paul. It's not about becoming Paul. Paul says uh, in Scripture, imitate me as I imitate Christ, but be very careful to not just do what Paul's doing without understanding why you're doing it. Paul's giving this commission everything he has. If you ever read the story of Paul, I don't have time to go into it now, but obviously he went through a lot for the gospel. Proud to do it, but he talks about it, not because he's bragging. He makes very clear that he boasts in nothing but Christ, but he wants everybody to know it's not always going to be picnics and roses. You're sometimes going to be in prison. You're sometimes going to be in very poor health. You're going to feel isolated. You're going to feel abandoned. You're going to feel lonely, but you're not lonely. You feel lonely. Christ is with you. The mission is worth it to live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul is an example of this. Paul is proud in Christ of the work that he's done. Yeah, boasting alert. Uh-oh, we don't do that. We're not proud about, but before, you know, pride precedes the fall. Paul is clear only what Christ has done is worth anything. He is proud of what, Paul is proud of what has been done through him, not necessarily by him. Now, there is a mystery here. Let me make this really clear. We do things. I do things. What I seek to do are the things that God would have me do, and I seek to do them with the help of the Holy Spirit in everything that I do. I don't succeed at that all the time. But when I see good things happening, and we know full well that it was the Holy Spirit that's done it, then it's easy for us to not boast in ourselves because nothing could be done in that regard. 
This morning, a, a quick aside, I don't like sharing a lot of little stories, but this one is perfect for today because it once again was a good idea that I thought I had and God turned it on its head. Last night, we were coming back from a show and we drove by Need the Dough. It's a bakery here in town, very good donuts. And I said, tomorrow before church, I'm going to get donuts. And I never am early for anything. Anybody that knows me well can attest to that. I'm always late, perpetually late. This morning, I got up, I got ready. I was done by 8.30, ready to go. That never, ever happens. And we're driving separately because I have a family uh, card game after this uh, that we play every month. And, and I, so I was coming separately. And I said, I'm going to leave and go get donuts. God's providence woke me up and got me ahead of schedule for the donut idea that I never, ever can execute. This is fantastic. I drive down there and need the dose closed on Sunday. Dope. So I drive over to the gas station, I buy Hostess donuts or whatever, and a bottle of water. I'm like, oh, well, whatever, it's still donuts, I guess that counts. But I got here very early, I was here about 20 minutes early. When I get here, I realize the internet is down, and I'm kind of the tech guy for the church. So I have to reboot everything, and it all comes back online, and it gets working about quarter after, which is when practice starts. I could look at that and say, boy, you guys sure are lucky that Chris got here early and fixed the internet for you. But I would not have been here early if not for all of the things that God did. Now, this seems like a little, oh, he's going to give God the glory for fixing the internet. I will absolutely give God the glory for fixing the internet. My plans are to bring donuts. <laughs> and God says, yeah, okay, well, you can think you have a hand in this, but in reality, there's something else that needs done today. Is it the end of the world if our internet's not working? No, but those of you online know that this wouldn't be happening if not for that. So it's these little things where you, you take an approach and you think you know what's going on, but God sends you over here, but that's okay. God's glorified if I go here, and God's glorified if I go there. The peace that comes from that is the peace that Paul's trying to communicate. Paul is laser-focused on his mission. He is so laser-focused on his mission that nothing else really matters to Paul at all. He wants everybody else to understand the truth, especially those that are in leadership at other churches, but he's got work to do. He is confident that he has fulfilled the ministry because it's always on his mind. He doesn't take a vacation from it. He doesn't like, hey, you know, I just got to get away. Just give me a couple weeks off. This is not something that is like, well, uh, you know, I, I get PTO and I accrue it over time. That's how jobs work, but this is life for Paul. This is life. You don't take a break from life. Well, I guess you do. We call that death. Paul's focus is unreached people. And this may seem trivial in some regards, right? But, but Paul's ambition is to preach. That's a good choice. Great ambition. <clears throat> but not where Christ has been named, lest he build on someone else's foundation. And these are, these are Paul's words, but the word that they use there for named is a little bit stronger than like, we know the word Jesus Christ, right? He doesn't say Jesus, he says Christ, and Christ has been named. What he's basically saying is, I'm not going to go preach where there is a solid understanding that Jesus was the Christ, right? Not just, oh, wait, I know who Jesus is. If you're here in America and you're witnessing to other people and you say something like, hey, do you know who Jesus is? The answer is almost always, yeah. <laughs> do you believe in him? Yeah because they don't want to hear a lecture. Now, if you ask them something specific, they may not, they may not answer. A far better way, to, I think, to, to minister to somebody says, hey, can I tell you who I believe Jesus is? Okay. Now you get a chance to go through the right view of this, of course, uh, assuming we know the right view of this. But, but Paul's interest here is not to go to a place that has a, a solid foundational understanding of Christ. He may be going to places that they have a faulty understanding of who Christ is, where Christ has not been properly named. They think they know, but they don't know. There's a lot of false beliefs, and it's all mucked up, and it doesn't work out very well. Let's fix that. But Paul's saying, I, I got to go to places that have never heard the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where I'm going to go. He's clearly not a sheep stealer. We use that term today for folks that want to win people from other congregations just to pad numbers. And if there was any question about this, Paul quotes scripture outlining his position. Because you could debate and say, well, I'm not really stealing sheep. Those sheep were sick, and I'm going to heal them. Okay, that's fine. If they're sick, good for you. What Paul's saying is there's places right now where there, is, there are thousands of people that don't have any idea what's going on, where we're, there's going to be a call, and there's going to be 500 new sheep, maybe. That's where I need to go. They don't know anything about Jesus. These folks have Jesus and are waffling. Okay, well, let them waffle. I've, I've put some people in place that can work with them, but that's happening here. On we go. That's what Paul's all about. So Paul's becoming human. I don't know about you guys, but I think it's good to be reminded that Paul's not God. He's not God. He's not infallible. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. 
He's a very, very wise person. We would often call him a hero of the faith and that he, I think, did an amazing job of representing what a human being who trusts fully in the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ can do. But you see here in these writings, he's not saying, I myself am perfectly satiated in the Spirit alone. Nothing can harm me. I am impervious to doubt and fear. It's quite the opposite. He's talking about, you know, some scheduling woes. My delay was due to this pesky ministry thing. It went a little long. I'm sorry I'm behind. I'm having trouble getting from A to B. Coordination, I need to make another delivery on the way. It starts to feel like our life. Hey, we were going to go over here and do this big outreach, but we just can't, we can't get there from here. COVID comes, or this comes, or that closes, or this happens, or th- and all of our best plans get, get just shot right out of the water. And we're like, God, I thought that's what we were going to do. And the question is always, what did you think you were going to do? What Paul's getting at here is what he was going to do are serve Jesus, proclaim his name. I got great news. That works everywhere you go, no matter what the circumstance. A big, awesome outreach comes together. Great. Proclaim his name. It all falls apart. Great. Proclaim his name. That's what we see Paul setting an example here. Look at all the stuff that's gone wrong. He's talking about, not necessarily gone wrong, but all the things he has to deal with that probably aren't in his plan, how he's longed to come visit, hasn't been able to do so. But this is at the end of the letter, after speaking the gospel in its entirety with great depth for 15 chapters. This is priority. Also, I need a little housekeeping. (laughs) Uh, I, I do, after you understand all that and the important stuff is aside, I'm working, I'm wrapping up my mission work. I'd like to visit. But my next stop is actually Spain. He's only going to visit them and encourage them. Now, the history of Paul would say that he really liked, he was a Roman citizen. He really, Rome was a passion for him. I think he saw that maybe as a place that he would have called home and he wants great things for them. And I'm sure in Paul's heart, he would love to stop in Rome and stay for a long time and enjoy their company uh, worship with them, study with them, you know, kind of the old, let's do it again, right? Let's grow it bigger. Let's phase two this ministry. But Paul is saying, no, no, no. My next stop is Spain. Nobody has been there yet. Somebody has to go tell them what's going on. But I'll stop and visit, and I'd love to visit. And they're thinking, oh, well, that's great. Come on. But if I could ask a favor. I said, love this, this little bit here. Not so subtle request for some financial assistance. <laughs> Here's a his translation. I need to drop off some donations for the poor in Jerusalem. Uh, these folks are fulfilling the opportunity, no, nay, the obligation to serve the poor. So he's talking about, on my way to you, I'm going to drop off some donations from this other church to poor people who thought they should. Uh, actually, they were obligated to do so. Uh, and then after that, you know, because that's really important because they need that. That's a great way for them to reach the law. So what I'm doing, what they're doing, this is great. But then after that, I'm going to come visit you. So it's like, oh, well, you know, we could help you. And uh, he doesn't say it, but he kind of says it. But what he really asks for is that they pray for him. Pray that I don't falter in my mission. Pray that I come to you at the appointed time. When we pray for things, church, uh, something I'm working on myself is to pray like that. Lord, help this to happen at the appointed time. When we pray for healing, especially for believers... That's a great prayer. I mean, I've got, I've got really good news. If somebody believes in Jesus Christ and they die on this earth, they will be resurrected in a body that never dies. So when we pray for healing, the answer is yes. They will be healed. I'm going to give them a whole new body that doesn't break down anymore. But if they're going to be healed here, if we want a financial uh, windfall here, if we want our job to be changed here, if we want opportunities to serve here, pray for that to happen at the appointed time, just like Paul's doing. I'm not in control. I don't need it to happen on my schedule, God. I want it to happen on your schedule, but I want peace that I don't drop the ball between here and there. I don't want to falter in my mission. I want to get there at the appointed time, and if that appointed time is never, then that's when I pray I get there. Hard pill to swallow, but that's what Paul's praying. And pray that when I come, I come with joy and anticipation. There's something really great about this idea that he's not just praying that when he gets there, he's going to be haggard and worn out and just fed up. He wants to get there excited and happy. I want to be in a good, I want to be in a good spirit when I get there. That's what I want. Pray that for me. So when I arrive to visit with you guys, I'm in the mood to do that. 
It doesn't matter if everything's going good. I just want to be, I want to be happy when I'm there. I want to enjoy my time. So what do we do here in this church? Let's break it down a little bit. Taking Paul's example, let's take this to the next step. What do we do? We study and we learn about Jesus' work. This is what we've seen laid out in Romans. Learn. Facts. Got to know it. Here's the truth of Christ, the good news of Christ. After we studied and we learned, we then begin to focus on the work through Jesus Christ. We don't learn about Jesus and then go do work. No, no, no. We're gonna, the more we learn about Christ, the more we see we need Christ every step of the way for the work we really want to do. And after that, we begin to bear fruit in the name of Jesus Christ, once again. You might be able to bear some fruit without Christ, but I bet you it's no good. Matter of fact, I guarantee it's no good. It may seem good, but it's not good. And step four, we then begin begin to preach Jesus to the lost. Now, you might think to yourself, why isn't that step one? Why aren't we starting with preaching Jesus to the lost? My answer to that would be, what Jesus are you preaching? And who's lost? Well, you know, Jesus and the folks that don't believe in him. Believe in which Jesus? If you don't understand who Jesus is and you don't understand what what belief in Jesus means, what what it's constituted to be saved by grace through faith, if that's not understood, it's really difficult to to lead others and preach that to people that don't know him. It's going to be the world is really well equipped to gun down Christianity today. They know all the questions asked. Oh, you say the Bible is an error. What about this? This seems to conflict with this, this, and this. It's okay to say, I don't know. Totally okay to say it, but it's not necessarily a good witness to your faith. If every question they ask is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It all boils down to the Bible says that I believe it, and that settles it. Well, that's good for you, but that's hard to communicate that knowledge to somebody else. So take time. That's what we're doing here. We study and we learn about what Jesus did, the words that he spoke. We're studying God's word. And then we focus our work through that, and we begin stepping out. And as we begin to bear fruit, that's where we start to be able to preach Jesus to the lost completely. And every time we get to step forward and we feel inadequate, we feel like I'm struggling to preach or asking me questions I don't know, and I, I just back to step one. It's not so simple to, I couldn't really diagram a circle here, but just know every time you go back to step one, study and learn, people are like, I need a word from God. There's a book of them. Everyone you'll ever need's in there. I guarantee it. You don't need anything else from God but his word, Period. The Holy Spirit, with the power of God's Word, does all the work required, everything you need. In your hand, today. You can have it right now. There's no secret tome. You don't like graduate and become a deluxe Christian and introduce you to the room of secret knowledge. None of that nonsense exists here. You've got God's Word. With that, faith in Jesus, Holy Spirit appears, change the world. That's what Paul's doing. That's all he's been talking about the whole time. But we're going to hit places where I don't get that. That was a tough, it's a good question. I don't even know how to answer it. Study. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus teach? What does the word say? All right, then let me refocus my work through Christ. The things that I do, the way that I study even becomes a a work now that I'm doing through Christ. Christ is changing me. The Holy Spirit is illumining my brain. It's all God, all the time. The fruit that I'm bearing, the good things that are starting to happen, the people that I'm talking to. Now, as I preach Jesus to the lost, I can preach a, a proper understanding of who Jesus is and what he did. But we begin to change. Has anybody ever heard this notion of, I, I want what they've got? Or there's just such a, they, they've got a calm, they've got a calm spirit about them or any of this kind of stuff. I believe what this is, is the same reason that people flocked to Christ. They wanted something they knew he had. Now, at that time, he was healing. And do it, but he didn't heal everybody, but he could do it. When people talk about Christ today, when we communicate Christ today, that's the feeling we want to exude. We want to be, we want to be salt in the earth. We want to be the light to the earth. All these, all these adages indicate something that doesn't really have a participation on my part, right? The lighthouse is seen by other people. The lighthouse doesn't move towards them necessarily. Now, we do. We reach out to them. But there's this notion that, that, that the Holy Spirit in us, things change and the world might be attracted to that. But then the world, other people are going to show up and say, don't be attracted to that. That's a, that's a lie. Well, that's where we're back at step one. I need to understand. I got to know what's going on. Once you're doing these first four the logical next step is like, I feel like we could maybe do this better. Why don't we group up? <laughs> Just as the Bible describes. Step five, support the work of the church. And step six, support the workers of the church. So study and learn about Jesus' work. Like I said, if you don't know who we serve, we cannot serve well. I know some people argue with that. They'll say, well, I don't really know much about the Bible. and I'm very spiritual. Well, that sounds very dangerous because what are you spiritual in? I mean, there's a whole big bunch of spiritual stuff out there that is not good for people that only seeks to, to kill and destroy. 
That's pretty spiritual, but it doesn't end up in a place of good. It ends up in a terrible, terrible, desolate place, angry at God. Good news is this is what we're doing now. You're sitting here, you're hearing my words, you're online, you're hearing my words. My words are my best ever to communicate God's words, divide them rightly. It's not about us getting better. We're not going to become good people by studying. It's about Jesus changing us for his glory. It's so tempting to come to church and learn how to act like a Christian. <laughs> we talked about this in a small group today. And many churches revolve around this idea of just, we're just going to teach people how to look good. The, the disinfected flock of believers that look clean as a whistle. And you never see any, I wish my family was like your family. And what you don't know is behind closed doors, because they don't know who they serve, they don't understand who Jesus is or what he did. They spend no time in the word. They never pray together. Their family is an utter disaster. But when Sunday morning rolls around, we put on our Sunday best. We step two. We hop pile in the car. We shut up in the parking lot. We're going in. Everyone goes, hey, good morning, everybody. And we stroll in there like, hey, well, my life's great. And then we go back to the car like, I'm going to wring all your necks and no one gets lunch. And like, is this what we're called to do? No. This is not what Paul's doing. Paul doesn't write these letters and then go sit in his, in his you know, prison cell or whatever else. They're those idiots. I can't believe how bummed they are. We don't see any evidence of that. Right? There's a difference here. There's something that changes us for his glory. And the work we do and the study that we do, all of it is amplified by Christ in us. We don't get better. We still, our minds will still lead us astray. Our hands will do sinful things. We are in big trouble without Jesus. We don't do this to look good or get better. We do it because Christ told us to do it. And after we study that and we understand, we focus on our work. What we look here is, uh, once again, citing Paul's example, it's prescribed by and dedicated to Jesus. Paul's not making this stuff up. He quotes the Old Testament for a reason. This is not his idea. This isn't some new thing that Paul came up with that's going to change the game. Paul's saying, listen, God already covered all of this, you guys. You just missed it. Now, granted, he's talking to the Jews, but it's the same here. We think we know, and then we go study the word like, wait a minute, I always thought it was this or that, and it seems like it's something different. Huh. This is the kind of work that we should be doing. This is what we should be working on. And it's not always the work that we, we enjoy or find enthralling. I mean, you know, I think Paul's desire, like I said, is to go to Rome and hang out with his friends a little bit, right? Talk shop with all these you know, learned elders at these churches and things that he's put together. I mean, as somebody that loves to talk about theology, I imagine Paul did too. But that's not what he's here to do. He's got to get to Spain. He knows the work that he's got to do. It may not be exactly what he wants to do. He may not find it the most captivating. But has anyone ever said, like, this happens to me coming to church sometimes, where it's like, oh, I'm just so tired, so sore and stiff. Maybe I'll just skip. Let's just not do it. And you're like, no, I don't want to hear it from anybody else, so I'll go do it. And then you go to the church or you go to the event, and you're like, this was really great. I'm so glad I came out. I was blessed. I got to bless other people. And I almost didn't come just because I was tired or whatever. And like, this is, the, remember those moments when something feels like it's a dreadful event. Oh, I'm going to have to go serve, and I've got to do this again, and it's going to be such a long night. But then, then in the midst of this and our service and our faithfulness and our prayer, we say, no, this is what we got to do. I know we're called to do it. It may not be what I want to do, but it needs done. I'm here. God's equipped me. Let's do it. And then all of a sudden, blessings. Of, and you're like, goodness gracious. How did I ever even think for a second? Paul imitates Christ by putting his desires aside until God fulfills them. That's it. That's what it boils down to. Here's what I want. But that doesn't look very fun. We look at what Paul wanted. Yeah, he went through a lot too. But who's Paul imitating? Christ, who went to a cross and drank the cup of God's wrath. I've been in some pretty lame ministry events. None of them compares to the wrath of God. None of them. Christ went to that willingly. The least I can do is get off my duff and go faithfully help uh, people learn about who Christ is when I'm tired or I'm exhausted. Now, I'm not saying we're all supposed to run ourselves ragged necessarily. There's lots of different priorities, and this isn't like, much like Paul. I'm not trying to lecture, but this is one of those things where what we see Paul doing is not to elevate Paul. Paul's not doing the things that are again, get him, going to give him a great name. We hold him in high esteem, but only as a martyr, not as... Uh, unbelievably learned individual had all of scripture memorized and we should all aspire to do that not necessarily 
I mean, great. You want to memorize Scripture? Great. But if you're going to use it as a hammer to beat everybody else down, don't waste your time. Paul started there and then parlayed all that knowledge into being able to elevate Jesus' name among everybody at the time and still today. 2,000 years later, he's quoting to us through God's Word Old Testament Scriptures used to prop up what Christ's commission is to the church. That is incredible. And it's because he's focusing on the work through Jesus Christ. Bear fruit in the name of Jesus Christ. Will you bear fruit in the name of Jesus Christ if you studied and your following work, your, your follow-up work is in the name of Jesus Christ? The answer is yes, you will. You will bear fruit. Sometimes it may be signs and wonders. We see Paul giving thanks for that. Signs and wonders, words spoken. Generally, the fruit will not be as showy, let's say, right? The problem you've got here is a lot of times we all want our fruit to look like Paul's fruit. Paul's, look at Paul's apple tree. I mean, it's, it's a 250 feet tall. It drops 5,000 bushels of apples a day. And I've got this pear tree. There's a partridge in it. I mean, are you kidding me? This, they're going to write a song about this stupid partridge. Don't even think about the pear tree at this rate, right? Like this, this is what we end up doing is inadvertently saying, well, I want that fruit. So what I'll do is I'll go paint my pears red and I'll glue a bunch of fake ones on and build a structure. And look, my, my false fruit tree is as big as Paul's. Don't do that. If God chooses to make signs and wonders and bring 5,000 people to your, your house of an evening to talk about Jesus, praise God. Give me a call. I'll come help. We'll figure it out. If he doesn't, and it's a couple people that show up here or there, or somebody at your workplace that's downtrodden and doesn't know what to do, and they don't know where to turn, and they turn to you in a brief second, and they're like, listen, I know you go to church. Could you pray for me? And you say, yes, I'll pray for you. And more, more than that, I'd like, to, I'd like to set up some time where we could just pray together. Well, I don't even know how to pray. Let's start praying together. That is fruit. Paul's talking about that too. That's fruit too. But to start there, to get out there and try to plant a tree of your own accord with the seeds you bought, weren't provided by the Holy Spirit, it's not going to work. You will bear fruit if you study and you work through Christ. You will bear fruit. The, the secret here is to know that God will grow and ripen the fruit. Our job is to be faithful to the process. God, give me what you give me. Ever heard the saying, you get what you get and you don't get upset? <laughs> like when it comes to bearing fruit, that's what it ought to be. <clears throat> I got one pair. Thank you, Lord, for this pair. I am honored. I'm blessed to, have a seat, to, to be able to be a part of seeing this pair come to fruition. Yes, Paul's got 5,000 bushels of apples. Great. Glory to God. Look what God can do. He can make a tree with 5,000 apples. He can make a tree with one pear. Maybe some people are intimidated by the apples. Maybe some people are more comfortable talking to the person that has the pear tree. I can tell you right now, as a believer, there are people that look at the book of Romans and some other books, and they're like, no thanks, too confusing. I've tried it myself, it doesn't work. Great opportunity for somebody to say, why don't you and I just meet, let's talk about it. Let's start at the beginning, see if we can get through it. Let's just hack and slash our way through a bunch of I don't knows and confusion. I'll talk to my pastor. We'll see if we can figure this out together. I don't understand some of that, but it's God's word and it won't come back void, so let's figure it out. Boom, pair. If our work doesn't bear fruit, repeat steps one and two. All right, not getting the fruit I want? No problem. Let's get back and study some more. Let's focus our work back through Jesus Christ. I bet you, I feel pretty confident saying, if your fruit is not where it needs to be, if you're not bearing fruit, you're not seeing any results, those first two things are an issue. I speak from experience. It's really easy to want to get out there and look the part of tilling a garden, doing the work, and I'm planting seeds in the faith, uh, scattering, I don't know, what am I doing? That's all mustard. I, I, get back and study. Study the Word of God. Find a group. Go to a Bible study. Get in and dig in on that. Focus your work through Jesus Christ. Stop trying to do things on your own. Stop trying to figure it out extra biblically, uh, hoping for words, and then you'll start to bear fruit. Once you're doing that, now we're ready to start preaching. Now you can preach. Now you know what you're talking about. You're, con you're, you're conditioning yourself to work through Jesus Christ. Fruit's being born all because of God, not because of us, because of our faith in Jesus. This is miraculous. It's mysterious, but it's happening. Now we're ready to start preaching. No matter where you're working, you can talk about Jesus. You don't need a plexiglass podium and a camera and a microphone. You don't need it. You could have a scone at a break room. You could split, you could take a cup of coffee and give somebody else coffee because the coffee machine's broken. You stopped at Starbucks. Bring it up. 
hey, thanks for turning your coffee down. Ah, I know the coffee machine's broken. You usually have a cup. I've noticed that about you. Oh, I didn't know you paid attention to me. But I tell you what, that is a kicked open door. I didn't even know you pay attention to me. Listen for stuff like that. I'm just so beat up, man. I'm so frustrated with this job. I just, man, I'm, I'm lonely. I'm isolated. My marriage is on the rocks. My kids won't listen. Everything I love or thought I loved is just unraveling in front of my very eyes. And Nah, man, I've been there. Oh, yeah, Mr. Perfect with his life together, happy family. <laughs> Not as happy as I'd like. Not as perfect as I'd like. But we get by. Our God's bigger than all of our problems, and, you know, we take it a day at a time. We remind ourselves of that every day. Huh? Little things, little things like that. Doesn't mean we wear a signboard around all the time. I'm not saying after this, you're like, well, I've studied, I've done the work. All right. Let me put on this big board. It says, turn or burn. I'm going to ring a bell around the workplace parking lot. Ding dong, turn or burn. That's not going to work. We are talking today. When you, when you see what Paul's talking about, who he's writing to, the manner in which Christ did all of his ministry, they didn't put up a billboard and say, here's some Old Testament scripture. Read it and get convicted. They talked to people. There was a relationship there. You can absolutely come to Christ by hearing the word of God proclaimed and have your heart changed. I'm not saying you can't do that. But it's so much better to be able to do that through a relationship where you've now established a degree of trust. They want to know more. You want to share more. You're both invested in this. What it means is our lives become so intertwined with our mission that Jesus is evident and always on our minds. We don't have to downshift into church and like, oh, we're talking church. Hold on, let me shuffle away my worldly papers and get my church stuff out. No, everything I do, we went out to lunch, let me buy. Why? Well, it's the least I can do. I love getting to spend time with you. And you mean it, right? It's not, well, I just, you know, I'm going down my list of things to do to, to win you to Christ. And number four is feign that I care for you. Ah, bought your lunch, cross that off. No, actually care for people. I can't. I don't like them. Back to step one. It's time to study some more because Christ talks about this. Having our hearts changed. We want to pray for that. We want to focus our work through Christ. And we start to see that Christ loved everybody he ran into to such a degree that he shared endlessly the good news of the gospel. He made complex matters very simple for them. Right? We love sharing all the metaphors that Christ uses in his parables. Why did he do that stuff? Because he wanted them to understand the truth. And just hitting them with Old Testament Scripture wasn't going to do it necessarily. So he gave them a story that piqued their interest. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess the seed scattered in, it would grow a little bit. What's that even mean? Now we're ready to start digging back in. Right, now I've got you. Let me break it down for you. This is the reason that we preach. This is the reason that Paul preached a lot. He's all the time talking about these matters, trying to explain them, probably doing a much better job than I am of trying to take complex topics and make them digestible, make them accessible. Take the Word of God, put it in front of people, communicate about the Word of God clearly through the work of Jesus Christ, and suddenly people are like, give me this book. This is incredible. This changes everything. This changes everything. You ever see these videos in third world countries and they've heard people preach to them and they're waiting for their Bibles to get there? And then the Bibles arrive and they open the box and they're like, it's like, a, it's like Black Friday, right? Only instead of Walmart and people getting stabbed over televisions, these people just want the Word of God and to read it in their own language. That doesn't come from, well, just, we sent them a bunch of Bibles and that happened. No, somebody went and preached to them in their language. Got them wondering, maybe my beliefs are wrong. Maybe the things that we're suffering through is because I don't know what comes next. I have nothing really to live for. I'm just kind of going a day at a time. I'm trying my best. I'm treading water. This sounds right. I think I kind of knew this all along. I want to know more. Is there a way to know more? We're working on that. We're going to get you a book filled with everything that I talked about and all the other stuff that I can't even hardly understand myself. It's so glorious and impossible and, and indescribably awesome. And then here comes a box filled with all this knowledge and someone opens it up and they can't wait to get their hands on it. Bring us the word. Right? We've heard this before in the Bible. This is, this is biblical. But they get there because we're preaching it. We're preaching Jesus to the lost. They don't know who Christ is. Let me tell you some good news. And I'm going to tell you the same good news over seven or eight or nine or ten weeks, months, years as our relationship forms and we work together and we spend time together. Step five here is supporting the work of the church. If you're a member, be busy about Jesus' work. If you're in the church, you want to join the church, awesome. Lots of opportunities to teach, disciple, outreach, care for other people. If a church doesn't have a place for you, make a place. 
Now, I can tell you right now, we're not anywhere near perfect. We don't have everything organizationally put together. But if there's something that a member of the church wants to do that we're not offering, let's get it going, right? I mean, uh, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. We're doing our best as leaders, but uh, our ears are open. Our cell phones are usually on, you know, on, not on vibrate or whatever. We try to get back to those if need be. Let us know. We want to have a conversation. If there's nothing to do, even something as simple as writing letters can make a very big impact. This work isn't always going to go out and stand up and we're going to build barns or build schools. I mean, that's great work. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't always have to be some giant effort where we all get together and we go to some place and do something and leave. Little things can happen around here. Write letters. The Essentials Pantry. COVID kind of wrecked us on that in some regards. But that was something that gave us an opportunity to talk to people, some people for years, always coming back, always getting to minister to them. Who knows when the Holy Spirit's going to take over and, and do that? But we are steadfast. We're going to keep participating in those ministries. Support the work of the church. Don't just expect everybody else to do the work. Paul expertly leading by example. I can tell you, nobody that ever received a letter from Paul is like, well, he's asking us to do this because he's too lazy to do it. <laughs> like, oh no, that never came up. I write you from prison. They cut my toe off and fed it to a donkey or something like, oh geez, I guess if he's, I'll go. I'll go do it, I'll go do it, I'll go do it, right? It's not Paul guilting him, it's saying, this is what we're doing. We are going to, I'm going to live and die for the gospel. I'm doing it. Y'all can do it too. Well, okay, all right, we'll do it. And then number six, support the workers of the church. Uh Uh-oh, the sermon on the amount. I guess so. When we support the church, the amount should not be zero, right? The church then... Paul's efforts then, he, we see him describing it here and now, needs money to operate and help the needy to do our part. It's easy to forget this if we're not connected with the church and we have no idea what's going on, right? Nobody likes paying for something that they don't see the value in, right? Period. Now, if we're sitting in a place where it's like, the money that I give, I want results, right? I write a check and I want to see my songs played, or I wrote a book and I'd like you to preach through this book, not the Bible. No, that's not what we're talking about here, right? But this is the idea that to keep a church functioning for folks that are in ministry, for the building, the lights, the outreaches, we need people, but we usually need materials, and we need money. The amount of money, who could say? I'm not about to. I would 100% delegate that to the Holy Spirit working in y'all's life. But when we talk about, well, supporting the work, yeah, I'm ready to help and participate, but also well, let's all pitch in and buy hamburgers that we can distribute at our food pantry event or whatever. Okay, well, what do we need to do? Let's figure out. And that's what Paul's talking about here, right? Hey, I got to deliver some uh, offerings from these guys to these guys on my way to visit you. And I have to do that because they're obligated to do it, right? They know how important it is to give to those in need. So I got to do that before I come to you. And then I'm going to be going to Spain where there's some people in need. So after I deliver the offerings from the church that's established to the church in need, I'm going to come to you guys, a church that's established on my way to a church in need. See you soon. <laughs> that's what he's saying. He doesn't say, now get together two grand. He's not saying that. But it, when he arrives, what he's hoping, what he's praying for, the joy and anticipation is as I move myself into Spain, and not just money, but I need a card, I need a horse, whatever he needed. I don't pretend to know what Paul took to Spain for ministry. Somebody smarter than me probably does know that. But hey, I'd like for you guys to be a part of that. I don't, I'm not going to take you all to Spain. You've got work to do here. But whatever you have in excess, whatever the Lord has provided, whatever you can spare, let's use that to go help those that need it. That's what we give in the church for. It's not just to keep the lights on. Who cares about the lights? The point of keeping the lights on, the point of keeping the building warm is it gives us an opportunity to outreach for Jesus Christ, for folks to come in that have never maybe heard the name of Christ or just looking for a church home where they can get established to sit, hear the word, count it as a blessing, invite others to be able to come in, get out of the cold, get out of the heat, except for today. It is beautiful outside if you've not been outside. But normally, nice sanctuary, come in, oh, it's cool in here. Oh, thank you. So nice to not have to worry about that sweat getting in your eyes, stuff like that. That's a way for us to participate. That's what Paul's calling them to do. So call to action. Church, there is work to be done. If anybody ever says, or you ever hear in a church, hey, it's all, we are just, we could, God couldn't ask any more of us. <laughs> I've heard this said before. I vehemently disagree. Uh, God can call us to death on a cross if he so desired. Uh, we should be thankful he hasn't done so, but there's more work to do. We're not done. You know, we, we're not done. Now, there's ebbs and flows to all that. 
But there is work to be done, let's make no mistake. If you're not in Christ, if you don't know who Jesus is, it's the first time you've heard about this, let's fix that today. If you're looking for a church home, let's fix that today. If you're not, if you're not found a place to worship, you know who Jesus is, you just want to get plugged in, you want to be part of something, a church that's going to focus on Scripture and focus on the work of Christ, follow those steps and be about the work of our Lord and Savior, we'd love to have you. And if you remember, let's pray about our status in those six steps we talked about. Lastly, I just want to say, don't be discouraged. Like Paul, I am satisfied about you, my brothers. I think I can speak for Mike and the other leadership here by saying that as a church, it is an honor to serve together. You're a blessing to us. You're a blessing to the community. The things that we endeavor to do, we depend on you. We love you. We covet your prayers. We pray for all y'all regularly. And this isn't designed just like Paul's letter to be some sort of a reprimand that we're falling short in these regards. No, no, no. Not that at all. But it's nice to have reminders. We read and reread the Bible so that we know the truth about where we stand and what we want to do. So I'm satisfied. Don't be discouraged. Um, And let's, as we move into a time of prayer here, let's be thoughtful if you're a church member about where we are in these six steps. How we can go back to the top maybe and sort some things out or or bounce around a bit, or shore a couple things up. And if we have questions or concerns, always reach out to us. Um, you know, we've talked before, Office Calvary Heights. Send a message on Facebook. Uh, stop by the, the church building. Get send us a letter in the mail. We do check the mail regularly. Um, you know, w- we want to know if you've got questions or concerns, how we can minister, how we can help you in that regard. We really do, really do want to know that. So as we close, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Thankful for a time of study. Thankful for Paul's, his, his words that for me at least resonate as very human and very relatable. The same kind of stuff that we all suffer through. Difficulties in trying to achieve our goals and align our goals with your goals, Lord. And knowing what we need to do, but maybe struggling to get it done and feeling discouraged about that. And people that we love and we care for that we just don't seem to have time for in some regards. And knowing and trusting that they're in good care in your stead, Lord. And Lord, we just help. We want to help. We want to help everybody around us so much, Lord. And we want to be able to do that, not out of our own heart and our own best efforts, Lord. We want to be able to help those around us through you. Make meaningful help. Offer something that is far greater than just a temporary reprieve from suffering, but an eternal